Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, publicist, media maven, political enthusiast, and really at the edge of my seat waiting to hear Terry's review of all the Georgia politics that have happened over this past week. And I am State Representative Terry Anulowitz, House District 42 in Cobb County, and I have survived the first week of the legislative session. I know, it's exciting. Okay, so it started with the Georgia Bulldogs winning. It did. We were sworn in. Bulldogs won. So because I'm me, I was asking people, you know, everybody was rushing out to get to the airport. I was like, are you going to ATL or PDK? (laughs) Because that's just how I am sometimes. I don't know. I can't help it. Um, and, and what was the ratio? Was oh, it, f- it was almost entirely ATL. Okay. Yeah, okay. it was almost entirely ATL. Yeah, not ATL, a lot of private which, jets, right? Well, there's a few, but maybe that's more of a Senate thing. I don't know. Um, so, yes, yeah, so people left. I watched the game at home because I actually had a wanging headache by the time like six o'clock rolled around. And uh, Tuesday, we were not in session. Dogs won. Yay, go dogs. Um Wednesday, we were back at 11 a.m. And it was, you know, everything is just largely ceremonial. We talked about that in the last episode. Everything was mostly ceremonial, but we, you know, adopted the rules of the House. Um, The Senate adopted their rules. Thursday, we had a joint session, which took place at the Georgia State University Convocation Center, which is brand new and beautiful. Right. It looks really nice. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. And so yeah, Thursday was was the joint session, which was the swearing in, and then today we had a a we had session at ten a.m. and it was basically the you know roll call pastor of the day, doctor of the day, which is back that that left it during the pandemic, and now the doctor of the day is back. So we had doctor of the day, and then we had afternoon orders, which we used to call morning orders, and technically it was before noon, but we had the afternoon orders, and then we had announcements, and then that was it's it. a lot. Yeah. So wait, it's a lot. Oh, and I forgot something else. Yeah. There was the state dinner, which is new, and that was on Wednesday night. Okay. And that's something that the governor hosted for all of the members of the General Assembly right. and our plus ones, and as well as us, the, um, the Supreme Court was invited, and- Where was that dinner? It was at the Capitol. And what was for dinner? Tell me what was. Oh my served. god! So I, you, I'm going to tell you everything because, okay. and, I, and I hope that there are photos. That I know there are photos because there are a ton of photographers. But you, oh, so you can't have your phone in there, right? No, you totally can. Oh, you can. I just was having too much fun. And of so course, you are great. I, there's one on my B reel at Tianelowitz. Okay, if you want to be my B reel friend. Um, no, it was. I had never seen the Capitol look so spectacular. And when I tell you spectacular, I'm telling you, Mara. If any of the girls, if any of the Kemp girls get engaged in the next few years. Marty and the girls. They could do it at the Capitol. Right. So, yeah. And people have had the receptions at the mansion. Right. Um, Governor Barnes's daughter had her her her, her reception I mean, at the mansion. I mean, why not? No, I mean, it's I, fabulous. I don't, like, honestly, I, you know, when people were hysterical with Biden's granddaughter, uh, he, I mean, what the hell? Who wouldn't do that? I couldn't get enough of that content. I was like stalking Instagram, like injected into my veins. I love a White House wedding. I could tell you probably how many tears were on LBJ's daughter's cake. Right. There it's, were two, it's, he, it's, both of his daughters got married there. No, injected into my okay, veins. Okay, so what yeah. was for dinner at the governor's so, mansion? there was a buffet. So uh-huh. I'm still gonna set the stage. So okay, we, okay, so, okay. I mean, flowers everywhere. Like if you've been to the Capitol, <laughs> you've seen the stairs. There was, and the 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 South Stairs. The Christmas decorations were oh, down. Yeah, down. Oh yeah, that's, okay. It's, yeah, okay. they don't wait till the epiphany at okay. the Georgia State Capitol. Okay. And okay. My, two of my trees are still up, by okay. the way. Um, <laughs> Out of your six. But, yes. 
two, only two, only two. I remain. will not forget that you have six trees. You know, and, well, no. me- and I basically had a meth tree. <laughs> Your tree was, <laughs> it was, great. It was really bad. Two you, remain of my you're trees. Very nice. And they'll still be there next week. Um, so walk in, just, I mean, beautiful. I mean, vines lashed to the columns. I mean, just flowers upon flowers upon flowers. The, you know, round tables, the gold Sharavari chairs in the North Wing and the South Wing. There was a band on the steps of the of the South Wing. Uh, the governor spoke very briefly, just brief remarks. This was meant to be a social event. The highlight of the event, if you were to ask anyone who was there, there was a bar in the rotunda of the Capitol, a round bar with lots of bartenders. Now, I had one cocktail and the rest of the time I was drinking club soda because this is like a work function. Okay, sure, sure, Um, sure. But everyone to a person agreed that if we had the bar there in the rotunda all the time, we'd be like, we'd get a lot done and much less contentiously. Well, that's probably it's it. It's probably it. Okay, we yeah. now, come on, what was for dinner? Okay, so now to the food. So it was a, it was seated. It was not assigned seating, but it was seated. Everyone had a seat. It wasn't like a cocktail Was buffet. it like a choose a beef or chicken or vegetarian? No, it was buffet style. Oh, oh It was buffet okay. style. And I was like, okay, how's this going to go? Because I have a little bit of event planning in my background. And I, you know, um, I was like, how's this going to go? Because I know there's no warming ovens in the Capitol. I know there's no, you know, there's no catering kitchen in the Capitol, to my knowledge. Um, it was amazing. I think it was Bold American, as I think, who did oh, it. Oh, sure. That's yeah. like fifth they're, they're, group. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah, legit. Yeah. It was, uh, I th- I'm pretty sure that's who it was. And it was great. So there were like two different kinds of salads. Everything was Georgia themed. Uh, the, the you know, multiple salads. There were roasted Brussels sprouts. There was a squash casserole uh, with the Brussels sprouts. The bacon was on the side for the folks who don't eat bacon in their food or don't eat pork. It was, you know, there was a pork tenderloin with peaches. There was a Coca-Cola braised chicken and there was shrimp and grits. Wow, you really remembered all of this. Yeah, I love a party. I will, I, I do want to give a shout out. I don't know if she'd ever be listening, but Holly Shoot, uh, I don't know if you know Holly. She's very involved in uh, ag. I know. Yeah, I know that name. Uh, she has a big position and she was the chef at the governor's mansion for a really, really long time. So that's interesting. You said that there's no catering kitchen. I mean, they do- Not ha- to my knowledge. But they do have like state dinners, like things like that, where they host people for dinner at the governor's mansion. At the mansion. Right. Oh, at the mansion has a full yeah. catering yeah, the yeah, mansion yeah, yeah, has yeah. all that, but this was at the Capitol. Right, and it was, right. I've, I've never seen an event like this at the Capitol. There has never been any kind of a state dinner. There's been, you know, one of the new folks was like, so what did they, everyone's saying this is new. What did they used to do? It was like, they used to do nothing. Like right. this. And it was a really. Good, good gig for fifth group oh, or for bold American. If, if that's who it was, I think that's who it was. Okay. Okay. Um, but it was, and whoever did the flowers, it, I mean, absolutely spectacular. And I'm going to give a shout out. I don't know if they listen to the podcast. I doubt they do. But Caitlin Coleman in the governor's office is sort of the person running point who's been getting all of the information to all of the members of the general assembly and everybody else all week long. She has been fantastic. And Macy McPhail who used to work with Lieutenant Governor Duncan, and she is now with the Robbins Group Consulting. But Macy, apparently, they, she basically, they were able to, the Georgia Strong Committee, which was the governor's inaugural committee, was able to basically have her to help arrange everything. And she was there with like her headset and her clipboard. Oh, I and love it. It was fabulous. And it was uh, a beautiful event. Okay. And that's so, what I brought you a, a souvenir. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I can't wait. So let's roll back because yes. we just get, we were processing a lot of information uh, from this week <laughs> or the recap of this week. And it seems that the governor, while um, he's kind of like, I feel like he's coming into his own. He's really like, now he can kind of coast through. He got elected, you know, like was super popular. Um, and he is uh, giving, he gave his speech. He did. And I'll play a little bit of it. Um, 
he definitely had a lot to say, and here is some of that. Our state would face in the years to come. Together, we overcame a once-in-a-century global public health crisis. We stood with law enforcement to crack down on violent crime and keep our families and our communities safe. And we safeguarded the economic freedoms and success of Georgians. Okay, so he talks a lot about unity there. Unity. How he talked about, and I didn't have that clip queued up because I wasn't ready, but uh, that's the truth of it, dear listener. That's okay. Uh, but but you, you know how many sponsors we have for this podcast. <laughs> that's so. right. But so he's really basically saying, hey, even if you didn't vote for me, I'm doing this for all Jordans. It's, it's, it's quite a different tone than from the campaign. It is. And I was so glad to hear it because there was one moment, and this wouldn't have been for his campaign, but when he was stumping for Herschel, and I believe this was one of the many Herschel events that happened in Smyrna at Adventure Outdoors, God bless, um, they, where he actually said, it's us versus them. And that really really upset me to the point where I spoke with several people on his staff mm-hmm, about it. I was like, mm-hmm, look, mm-hmm. that is not the rhetoric that anybody needs to hear. He's mm-hmm. already been reelected. I understand he wants a Republican in the Senate, but to actually say us versus them, I was like, I don't think that's actually who Governor Kemp is. And you know, the responses I got were like, well, you know, it's a campaign. It's a tight campaign. We got to do this. I'm like, but I was, it disappointed me when he yeah, said us versus yeah, them. Yeah. And I was very glad that the tone that I feel like has been set is I, I, I feel it for a lot of reasons, like we are going into this 2023 session in a way where hopefully we're not going to have a lot of the, the, you know, the, 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 the red hot meat button, issues. Social. The hot button. Yeah. You know, I was talking to, I was talking, it's funny. I was talking to a Republican recently and they're like, you know, how well did Pat Buchanan do when he ran for president running on all of those yeah, social issues? Yeah, you issues? know, it's so true. And I it's mean, true. But listen, he's still got to dig in there as far as like talking about education, even though he has proposed that they're going to do, you know, raises for teachers. And we need more. We, yeah, the raises and, are great. And educators and people in schools. But there was still the, the oh, we're not going to indoctrinate our kids. Or there was a little- We're, gonna, we're, gonna te- we're not going to tell them what to think, which- which I got two kids in public schools. I don't see that happening. Well, but. and also like the, you're not going to tell them what to think, then you're not teaching them anything. I mean, that's literally all teachers do. Is yeah, and <laughs> as a parent, I you know I'm perfectly comfortable telling my kids what to think all the time. And if they were to come and be like, my teacher told me this, I'd be like, yeah, that's right, or like. There's a little bit more of that. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, okay. So we'll give him a little bit of a pass there as far as, you know, it wasn't 100% like kumbaya. But I mean, they, I'm a Democrat. Nothing's but, ever going to be 100%. Right, but there was a lot of that and we'll give credit for that. Okay. So then there was the, so you had the inauguration and then there was the party. The gala was last night. Right. Yes. And uh, you texted me an amazing picture. Can I, well, you know what? I want to save that for the end. <laughs> if I'm allowed to talk about the picture you said. Anyway, talking about the gala, Luke Bryan. Luke who, Bryan. He couldn't remember who was performing. Luke Bryan performed. No, I think they're all, if any of y'all are Parks and Rec listeners, like all the country people to me, they're all just like Chip, <laughs> Chip McCap from Parks and Recreation. You know, support the beautiful, like my mom, support the troops. I'm like, right. I, I, and I'm, I know, and I'm, like, I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum. I'm totally okay with country music. I just, I can't tell these guys apart. I see. I know the difference. Like, oh, I, you're a professional. I, yeah, 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 yeah. So was it Luke Bryan? Yes, it was okay. Luke Bryan. Okay. Um, but we, we, we didn't stay super Oh, you late. didn't? 
I'm no. It's been a long week. Like, I don't get it with him. Like, there's certain people, like, for anybody listening who's into country music, there's certain country artists. Like, he's, like, I'm not surprised that he was the one aligned with Governor Kemp because he's kind of safe. He's on American Idol. Like, even though he is a Republican, he's not, like, one of those, he's not, like, like he's not, like, big and rich or, like, some of those guys are, like, really crazy right. gone to the dark side. Luke Bryan's not one of those guys. So that's He good. seems pretty like I I would imagine he would be in the vein of like uh Zach Brown like that kind of thing. Like, I mean kind of I don't know. Kinda, I don't know that. I, I mean I guess so. I guess so, but I know like I saw like Shay Roberts was all excited to see yeah. him. I saw her on her Twitter and which was kind of funny and I liked seeing all the picture of all of pictures of all of you getting ready for the party. I think you know when when I started doing this podcast with Jen it was in 2020. So I hadn't heard about her experiences oh, yeah. doing this. So I'm like reliving this through you for the first time. Oh, it's, it, it, it is, it is fun. You know, we, you know, I had a big, you know, big shiny dress and sparkly shoes and it was, it, and are it's, you it's like, are you like, hello, Governor Kemp. Good to see you. I didn't see the governor at all. Okay. No, he, they, there, I'm not, I, we, it was, there was a wristband situation. Different people had different wristbands. Uh-huh. I, you know, it was like general admission, which you can go to the floor. You can, uh-huh. I had, you know, we had a general assembly wristband so we can get up to the level with the suites and all the lob, different lobbying organizations and other groups have their, their suites. So we would go in there, you know, to get, you know, you know, water or snacks, things like that. Just to talk, you're, it's the whole thing, really. It's just like any other event. It's, it's, it's like a, a schmooze, event. right? Yeah, it's a yeah. work event. It's yeah. a schmooze. So, you know, I was talking to like, I'm on the transportation committee. So I spent a lot of time talking to folks with some of the different railroad companies in Georgia, for okay, example. So, okay. no, it's it's a schmooze. It's a great way to get to know, you know, just people in a, it's a work event, but it's not at work. It's, you know, you're, you're seeing people in a social way, which I do believe is very, very, very important because I do think we make better policy in Georgia when we know each other as totally. human beings. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's the same reason why I think it's wonderful that in the Georgia General Assembly, Democrats and Republicans, there's no side of the aisle. Everyone's sitting together. I've mentioned this before. You know the names of their dogs, their grandkids, where they're going yeah. on summer vacation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's much, much harder to demonize people who you know as human beings. Yeah. Well, they can still do it. I mean, I, I think, I wish this got more news, Terry, but the fact of voting for Speaker Burns, um, that everybody, it was unanimous yes, we vote. did it by acclamation. And that is just, a- after we all watched what happened in Washington- Oh my gosh. With, with Kevin McCarthy, yeah. who's just basically like, what a dud that guy is. Uh, what a, just a p- p- spineless- terrible garbage he human. He is going to be such an impotent speaker. He's just, yes, yes. He's impotent on all kinds of levels. Policy-wise, he's an impotent speaker. Yes. Anything but else, call your profession. Here, here we are in Georgia and all of you aligned for the new speaker. Yeah. And that was like, that was so beautiful to see. And I, I think there is a sense of unity in Georgia. And I think, especially with all the economic stuff that's going on between like all the Rivian plant and battery plant that's coming and all this economic stuff that's coming down, which is like, frankly, it's a little scary. Like here they're building all these plants and places and do they have all the infrastructure to go along with it? That's that's one of the things that I think we're going to be talking about a lot is when we talk about the policy issues that I think are going to be at the forefront of this session. And to be clear, you're going to see all kinds of bills dropped about all kinds of things. There are going to be a lot of messaging bills that are going to freak out a lot of people. And the thing that you need to do, dear engaged listeners, is pay attention to what committees those messaging bills are assigned to. When I say messaging bills, like if someone says they're going to try to ban contraception or they're going to try to ban 
in vitro fertilization or they're going to require, you know, just something totally off the wall. Those are red meat messaging bills. I we'll, We will see those. We will always see those. Uh, pay attention to who's dropping them. Is it a freshman or is it someone who's actually like chairing a committee? If it's somebody chairing a committee, maybe pay attention. If it's a freshman, I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. Oh, right. Because it's, in, and this is something that we've learned over the, this whole thing about the C-SPAN cameras and Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. and so many of these people, they're doing all this crazy shit because they want to get clicks and they want to raise money. Exactly. And and so I think if you're even a Georgia lawmaker and you're a freshman and you're like, you know what? I'm going to, I know that I'm going to get written about if I sort of, if I introduce a, right. a Kukalu bill. Right, exactly. And so you're going to see that. But again, where is it getting assigned? Is it actually moving through committee? Probably, you know, probably not. Maybe something will. I don't know. But I think the bills that are going to move are going to be the bills that focus on these that, I mean, everything is ultimately economic, but we're going to see the bills that really have to do with making things better for our workforce in Georgia, making it more attractive to work here in Georgia, uh, talking about affordable housing. Now, the devil's in the details, right? Like what exactly, when the governor's talking about, you know, more housing, that's a, and it is. It's critical. Like if you're building a plant that's in the middle of a more rural area and they're going to be employing 2,000 people, you got to have places for those people to live. And you have to have places that are nice that are going to attract those highly educated skilled workers that they're going to need for a lot of these places. And just any worker, because anybody, everybody wants to live in a yeah, nice place. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a lot that, you know, there's a lot definitely yeah. that, that, that that we can talk about. Okay, so some of the national news. Um, so what do, you, what do you make of these Biden documents? I mean, I feel like between the Biden documents and um, George Santos, is George Santos canceling out the Biden documents? I don't know. Are they two different things, the Trump and the Biden? Is the timing? I mean, it's, it's, it is kind of like, it, it, It's cringy, but it's also, I mean, it's different in the sense that, you know, it was the Biden people who were like, oh my gosh, That's hey, we right. found these. Right. It wasn't like, it wasn't the National Archives. It wasn't all the archivists being like, hey, you took our stuff. Right, right. It was It was the Biden people being like, hey, we found some of your stuff. Right, right. And so that that's that's two very different right, things, right? Right, right, like, right. Trump took the stuff that he knew he wasn't supposed to take and the archivists had to go after it. And Biden was like, oh crap, we have the stuff. And Here's, you know, here's what we need to know. And again, it wasn't Biden. And that's a big thing too. They didn't find this stuff in Biden's living room. Like they found it in Trump's place right. in Mar-a-Lago, right? right? It was stuff that had been sent over. So it's, is it cringy and maybe not a great look? Yes. Is it also very different from Trump thing? Also, yes. I think so too, but it is funny watching and listening to the spin of people. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, it's, 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 well, well, maybe we'll get to that in a second, but I did want to mention that, um, when this is dropping, it is Martin Luther King yes. day and, uh, president Biden is actually going to be in Atlanta, um, yes. doing stuff at Ebenezer Baptist church, which is pretty cool. It's a huge deal. That's, yeah. And any, any time, any POTUS visit to Atlanta is a huge deal. A POTUS visit to Ebenezer Baptist church on MLK Day, which, by the way, who's the pastor at Ebenezer? Oh, wait, Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock. I mean, it's kind of amazing, yeah. like, a p- political appearance. Um, but you know what I'm going to go back to, which is really my favorite appearance at Ebenezer Baptist Church, is when Kelly Leffler, our former senator, I know I'm a little obsessed with it, and you were seeing her and texting me pictures of her at the event. I, 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 you're my friend, and I know what pleases you. <laughs> it does. It pleases me. She fascinates me. I know. I know. Uh, but 
So here you had like, you know, people go and I've actually been invited. I was invited one year when I was working at WABE. By the way, shout out to Martha Dalton, who is a regular listener. She's an incredible journalist at WABE. She's a regular listener. So we need to have her on as a guest. So um, I got invited to be on a panel once and like I met Bernice King and um, she was really lovely and they invited me to this thing at the King Center. It was just, and it was really a special day and I felt such an honor to be a part of it and just to be in that little universe of all the events that Mm -hmm. they have there. But I'm always, I was always fascinated when at the time, Senator Leffler, when she was the appointed senator, she spoke at the MLK uh, service. Right. And, uh, well, we all know what happened next. I mean, so it was just so hilarious. It's hilarious to me, you know. So what, everybody watch out on Monday when all these people who complain about woke culture or they don't want certain things taught in schools or, you know, whatever it is, uh, give out their MLK quotes. Well. And the context with the greater speeches from which those quotes come from. I think context yeah. is important, but I, I am optimistic. You know, we've had this, you know, this past week, the first week of the general assembly. I, I do think they're conciliatory, maybe too strong a word, but I think there's a message of unity. And so I, think I, it's I, I great. hope I do, I do too. And so I hope that going into MLK day and everyone who is at Ebenezer for those services approaches that with that with with a whole heart and open mind and a and that that motivation for unity right and that's why it's like her whole presence there and whole her whole like what came afterwards is just so fascinating to me because it's just not like you know it goes back to what you said about the comment about the Herschel Walker event it's us versus them and right. that's that some of that rhetoric that's just like you know I think it's fair to have policy debates and that's what's just so sad about what's going on in Washington and I don't think that's going away right. anytime soon no and it's like the divisive concept things right like if you you know how if you want Georgia students to understand the local and national significance of Ebenezer Baptist Church in the United States, in the history of the United States, which is a big thing, then teachers need to be able to have conversations about the civil rights movement and the role that Atlanta played, the role that Ebenezer played, so that kids today have the critical thinking skills to understand why it is such a big deal that the president of the United States is coming to Ebenezer Baptist Church on yeah, Martin Luther yeah. King Day and in 2022. So uh, 2023. 23, oh my I gosh. know, it's hard. And, and while we're on that topic about learning real history, and I would actually, on a later episode, I would love to talk to somebody from the Atlanta History Center. You know this. Yes, they I'm a put, member there. They put out a 30-minute documentary mm-hmm. on Stone Mountain which I highly, you know, we'll go ahead and put a link to it in the show notes. I had a chance to watch it last night about the legacy and why the carving on Stone Mountain is so problematic and all Confederate uh, monuments all over our town are so problematic. And the Georgia state flag, all of that. Yeah. Like I actually, when Jen comes back, I want to talk to her about the, you know, how the, there's just so much that I learned mm-hmm. through that. And what, as far as like what you're doing at the state house and all the foolery with the flag and where we are now with Stone Mountain, it is really, really eye opening. Did you watch it? I have not watched it yet. I want to watch it. I got the, my History Center magazine that talked a little bit about it. And the History Center, if you have not been to, the Cyclorama, which was relocated to the History Center from Grant Park. The Cyclorama 
it's more of an experience than an exhibit, but they have done a phenomenal job with explaining and contextualizing the meaning of all the hundreds of things you see in that giant round painting. It's amazing. And you know, I'm on a video at the History Center. There's like some video of like Atlanta pop culture and- um, Is it you on the MARTA train for 24 hours? <laughs> no, it's, um, I don't even, it was filmed such a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And my friend Ellen Barnard from Tomorrow Pictures produced it. And so they needed like different people. So I'm like on a, like a super clip and yeah. people, randomly people would be like, I was at the History Center. I saw you. I'm like, oh my gosh, that thing is still running. That's amazing. That's awesome. um, anyway, okay. So, but- um, you know, put a pin in that because I want to talk yes. more about that because because you're in the state house now and there. Th- I'm wondering if anybody if this they put this video out because you they knew they were you were going to be back in session. I mean, I'm sure the timing was not coincidental, right? But the, you know, they also you know that stem, it has its own authority, mm-hmm. and you know they're they're having to deal with the fact. For instance, I mean, there's a large conference center at Stone Mountain. I think one of the things that that authority is grappling with is the reality that a lot of organizations don't want to do business. Plan yeah. their, they're not going to plan their retreats or their corporate meetings at a location that's a Confederate memorial. Well, and not only that, the Confederate flag is still flying like today. Yeah. So, and and so that's, that's something that it's going to be interesting to see how the authority, which is appointed by the governor, uh, is going to handle this because they've got a conference center that they've got a book. Like yeah, you've got to keep yeah. this thing booked. And so it's going to be interesting to see how much of this becomes less of a culture war issue and more of an economic realities issue. Right. Ooh, we're going to definitely talk yeah. more about that. But, but, uh, but there, I mean, listen, we could go on for a long time, but we got to get to our guests. We have a guest. So let's do that. Excited to have our next guest here. Uh, it is Syra Draper, and she is the state representative for HD90. She's a mom. She knows everything there is to know about voter protection. Um, and she is like, I mean, she does it all. The Peace Corps, like Syra, what can't you do? Oh my goodness. Uh, Mira, Terry, thank you so much for having me on. It is a thrill to be here. I mean, but what can't you do? Are you a good cook? Was that a real question? Was that a real No, a terrible cook. <laughs> See, we got something. So um, how was the swearing in and the experience at the Capitol for you? Oh, man, uh, this has been such a long week. Um, it's been a very exciting week, a very emotional week. Um, honestly, the swearing in was a bit of a blur. Um, so are you talking about the swearing in on Monday of, of the representatives or are you talking about the, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I brought my kids to the swearing in, I brought my family, I brought my husband, my, my parents, my sister, and then some friends too. But on the house floor, I was able to bring my husband and three kids. Um, and they are seven, five and two. And let's just say they didn't quite appreciate the, um, you know, the decorum of the chamber, right? So they were very unimpressed with the whole thing. And my two-year-old just kept screaming, no, 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 throughout the whole um, process. So anyways, it was, um, I don't remember much because I was just trying to keep him quiet and occupied. um, But I was, you know, I wouldn't change it at all because I was so happy to have them by my side for the occasion. That's, I I didn't hear anyone shouting, no, no, no. So just for whatever it's worth. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. It was, and I did not bring my kids this year, so they are. They were, yeah. They they've done that. 
they'll be back to Paige. This is old hat for you. This is, yeah, yeah, this is, this is really. <laughs> so yeah, what was that like? I mean, you running for office and getting into it, being, you know, under the gold dome and it's quite an experience. Uh, yeah, well, and Syrah had a crowded primary and a runoff. Yes. Um, and a general election opponent yes. too. So. That's right. Bless oh, their heart. Yeah, right. That was less competitive. HD90 is, let's, let's call it very blue. Um, so it's one of the bluest districts in Georgia. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a journey. And so, you know, from, from the moment I decided I was going to run, uh, until Monday and actually getting sworn in, it's just been a long journey and I'm really glad to be on the other side. And it's like, okay. And now we actually start the work, right? It was all that build up to actually start working now. So I'm really excited to be in this position and to, uh, move forward with the work. That's amazing. So, you know, it's a, a big part of this podcast and what we talk about and what, you know, initially when I partnered with with uh, Jen Jordan and now Terry uh, was women running for office based on what they had experienced. And um, I, I, I would like to know from your point of view, what drove you to decide I am going to run for state representative? I'm sorry, Mara. I, I'm muted because my child is yelling on the other side of this office door. But um, <laughs> by the way, that's so keeping it real oh, as yeah. far as like what <laughs> women have to deal with. It's like he heard that I was talking. He heard someone say that you didn't hear him in the chamber, right? I think it's here. <laughs> oh my God. Well, we couldn't hear it. So it's no, all good. I could not hear it at all. Yeah. You're quick with that mute button. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, no. So why did it, the question was why did I run? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's something <laughs> my whole life I've just you know I, I feel like this sounds cheesy um but I've always just wanted to help others justice is very important to me so I'm an attorney uh by background and you know just being a voice for people who cannot be a voice for themselves um it's something I it, like fulfills me um, so, you know, I've done that in an attorney capacity and I, I love doing that work, but this is almost like the next level, right? It's this way of enacting statewide changes, systemic changes that benefit millions of people. Um, and so, um, the appeal has always been there. Um, I actually, I interned for the house, the Georgia state house, um, 18 years ago. Um, so I think that seed was planted a long, long time ago of like, oh, this is how this works. And, oh, maybe this is something I can do one day. Um, but it's just built in my DNA to kind of, you know, uh, help others, as I said. And when the spot opened up, I was like, okay, this is it. You know, it's now or never. So it's been a really, really exciting uh, decision. And, you know, glad, as I said, glad to be in this spot to actually start doing the work. I, I, I am so glad that you're with us because you did, you had a gauntlet this year and, this is coming off of all of the work that you have been doing previously prior to running for office for voter protection efforts in Georgia. Yeah. So for the three years before I ran for office, I ran the voter protection program at the Democratic Party of Georgia. And that is probably some of the work I am most proud of in my career. Uh, we built up in Georgia the largest voter protection effort um, that the Georgia has ever seen. Uh, in 2020, when I ran it for the Biden campaign and then for the Ossoff and Warnock runoff, uh, we had 15,000 volunteers in our voter protection operation alone. 
Um, so these were folks who were on a voter protection hotline, folks who were curing ballots, uh, folks who were attending voter um, board of election meetings. Um, so anything that touched elections, uh, we were there. And, you know, we, um, we know we made the margin of difference in Georgia. Our ballot curing program alone, we cured over, we helped cure over 15,000 ballots. And of course, Biden won by uh, around 12,000. So it was a gargantuan effort uh, with awesome results. And uh, that work is so important here in Georgia when elections is always, you know, in the crosshairs. Yeah, I mean, our margins are slim here in Georgia. I mean, this is why we have a Republican governor and two Democratic senators, right? So making sure that every vote counts you did really amazing work, and I'm very glad that you're going to be in the state house now to be able to help us craft better policy for voters in Georgia. Thank you, and you know, I, I know I'm going to, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, um, w- whenever election stuff comes up, I'm obviously I'm going to put myself in the middle of it. Um, it's it's what I know. I have a unique perspective, so I can offer something. Uh, there, but I, I'd love to be on the committees that work with elections, and uh, it's kind of this question for me, right? Because um, being in the minority party, we don't have a lot of say over what committees we're on at all. Um, So there's this big question right now whether, you know, I'm going to get put on a committee that works with elections because they know my background, or maybe they're not going to put me on that committee because they know my background. So that's kind of the question I have floating around right now. Right. And committee assignments for those of y'all listening, uh, the Senate committee assignments were assigned a couple of days ago, so the senators know which committee there's on. Our House committees have not been assigned yet. Um, and we will find out, I'm told, midweek next week what committees will be on. And honestly, nobody knows. Like, I've talked to Republicans. Nobody has any inkling of sort of what's going to be happening. But everyone is very anxious to find out what committees they're on. And I know, Syrah, you're probably also very anxious to find out where your office is going to be. Oh, wow. That's, that's, yeah. I'd be on the edge of my seat of that. I hope you're not in like a corner with no windows. They're not anywhere yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to see where I'm sitting, who I'm next to. But at this point, I would settle for an email address. I don't even have one of those. Oh, no, you have email addresses. Those are up. (laughs) Email addresses. Yes, email addresses are up because I had to pull some today for the Cobb County delegation. Oh, okay. okay. Well, well, there you go. There you go. Breaking news. <laughs> but I don't news. think you have a computer yet, so it doesn't matter. Breaking news. Um, Syrah, I got a question. Since you're so, uh, you know, you've been so active with voter protection and voter rights and all of that, you know, of course we had, you know, SB 202 and all the laws and the runoffs and the this, that. Does it frustrate you? I, this frustrates me that, when people talk about voter fraud or voter corruption, it is always Republicans doing it. The anything nefarious has seemed to be like, is am I am I on the right track here or or am I just making this up? No, I mean certainly like the really terrible cases that we have seen. I mean, there was there was a I can't even remember the story anymore, but there was a guy in North Carolina that was ballot harvesting. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen some instances of people signing for their spouse and things like that. I mean, there, there's the major voter fraud uh, that we don't see very often, but when we do, it happens. <laughs> it just so happens to be somebody on the GOP side. Um, and then there's the small stuff we see, like the signature that may or may not be intentional, but is still a breaking of the rules. Um, you know, but then we also have to... It, it happens at such a small rate. 
um, that I always hesitate to talk too much about it because I don't want to give the issue oxygen and give folks an excuse to make the barriers to voting higher, right? Because if we talk about voter fraud, then well, the legislature comes in and they say, well, we need to do all these things to prevent it. Um, and like with anything else, it's the balance. It's like, okay, well, how often is this happening? If it's happening a lot, then we have to do a lot to prevent it. But if it's not happening a lot, then we need to make access to the ballot as easy as possible. Um, so I think we've struck the wrong balance right now. Um, and, you know, the idea of perpetuating this idea of voter fraud uh, is going to keep us in the wrong balance. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's just, yeah. I think that's the, I felt so frustrating, especially with the runoffs and how we had a short time. And I wonder if that's something that's going to come up in the upcoming session as far as runoffs go, making it uh, either no more runoffs or why we had all those crazy lines because of SB 202, which basically made all these changes on the boogeyman voter fraud that maybe wasn't really a problem. Well, like talking, making, yeah, taking away the drop boxes, even though there was absolutely zero voter fraud or attempted voter fraud that had anything to do with drop boxes, right? 100%. I mean, they basically took vote by mail and made it as difficult as possible. And, you know, it's pretty obvious why that was done. It's because Democrats used vote by mail at, in numbers that they never had before and, uh, you know, really kind of um, were very successful at it. So that was not the case in 2002, right? So, uh, excuse me, 2022, SB202 was really effective at you know, uh, convincing people not to vote by mail this time around. So it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Now, do you think that that, that could backfire for Republicans? Because I am sure that there are plenty of Republicans who it's hard for them to get out of their houses or to move around or to go vote. I mean, isn't, aren't they potentially hurting themselves with this also? Yeah, I, I think uh, there's definitely collateral damage on the Republican side. Um, but, you know, the biggest difference is when you look at the map of Georgia, the dense, the really densely populated areas tend to be Democratic. And there's just more administrative challenges to there's more challenges to administering an election in densely populated areas, need more locations, more staff, you know, more lines, whatever it is. So at the end of the day, when you make voting harder, it has an outsized impact on Democrats because that's where more the, the more densely populated areas are uh, majority Democratic. Wow. I mean, there's there's a lot. So what are, what's on your radar as far as like, are you going to introduce any bills this year? Or is this something you're like waking up at night? Like, I want to make my mark and do this. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know what the, I, I'm still trying, I'm, I'm speaking with people who have done this a lot longer than I have about what the correct strategy is here, right? It's like being in the minority. I think, um, folks are already very suspect of anything that we bring up and it's, especially when it comes to elections, um, you know, there's all there's the suspicion of a partisan angle like, oh, is she bringing this up because it helps Democrats or is it, you know, clearly a uh, you know better, better way of doing things like there's, there's going to be suspicion about that. Right. Um, and and we're changing a system that all of these folks in the General Assembly they were successful using that system, right? They won their election. <laughs> they're the elected representatives. So um, they're going to be very suspicious about changing anything at all. But 
All that to say, um, I have a lot of ideas about elections and how that's going to manifest, whether it's a bill or working with others or working across the aisle. Um, I am still trying to figure out that strategy, but, um, you know, um, I'll, I'll talk to Terry a little bit more about that offline. Oh, you're so lucky to have such a great <laughs> oh. mentor, like representative of Nello. Well, and it'll also be a lot easier when we all know what committees we are on and Who's chairing those committees? What if you get on a committee and you're like, ugh, I don't want to be on that committee. You don't have a choice. You got to lean in. <laughs> you got to do it. And also, you never know what's going to get assigned to that committee. You never know. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. Look at me negative. I'm like, ugh, I don't want to do that. But you have to do I mean, you're basically working for the people. You have to lean in. No, that's right. You're you're there to... To serve, and there, you know, no matter what the committee is, and frankly, there are not that many committees in the Georgia House that are there just to take up space or to give someone something to chair. There, you know, we're we want to people want to work, and again, you never know it's going to be assigned, and you never know where someone, especially as the session progresses, someone might try to strip a bill or append something or. You know, add add an amendment. You never know what can happen, so you have to be on your toes, and you know you've got to be engaged in those in those committees. Because I will tell you what, the Republicans who are chairing those committees take their committees very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Well, this is exciting stuff. Now, uh, Syrah, have you been to the cafeteria yet? <laughs> well, I heard your segment what was, uh, <laughs> with the other Kim day. Yes, yes. 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 <laughs> So I haven't eaten there recently, but I'm sure that will take soon enough. We want a full report. I I can't. That was really one of my favorite you conversations. You need to come to lunch at the Capitol, Dara. I, I we need to do that. Yeah. And, and and document that. We do. We do need to do it. We need to do it. Uh, Syrah, I have a question. What did you think of the state dinner? The state dinner. Um, well, so first of all, I mean they totally transformed the Capitol. It was a beautiful event. I mean, somebody could have gotten married there, right? And had the most beautiful wedding photos. It was very beautiful. Um, and it was very bipartisan, um, which, which I loved. Right. And it's, you know, you, you, you come out of these really hard fought elections and obviously everybody has their differences on policy, um, but at the end of the day, you know, there's something really nice about coming together and celebrating the office and the institutions and, you know, all these systems that have worked for hundreds of years and continue to work, um, you know, and what we used to govern. So I, I enjoyed it very much and, you know, had the opportunity to meet uh, a lot of new colleagues and uh, including uh, Speaker Jan Jones, who I had a lovely conversation with and hadn't met before and really respect, you know, the, uh, the way that she is paving uh, for women uh, legislators, um, so it was, it was it was a very positive experience. That's so great. That's so it's so it's, it it must be. I did see some of the photos of all the women rep- being yes. represented. The women's legislative caucus. That was the very first thing we did this week, and that's really exciting. As you know, as, as an outsider, to see all of you, you know, representing all of us. Because I remember, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, when I went to the Capitol and got a tour with. Uh, then Senator Jordan, and you looked at the photos on the walls, and it's all men, right? Right. And, and so, so that's got to be a good feeling for you, ladies, that that you're you're flipping that. Oh, there are what was the number? I think eighty something women in the House now, in the House and Senate. Either I think there were like eighty. I think eighty-one women in the General Assembly, which is a tremendous number. And again, talking about that tone of unity. 
that was something that, and I'm, I'm in leadership with the Women's Legislative Caucus, but that's something that we were really being very deliberate about doing is starting off the session. You know, it's a new session. We have so many new members, you know, we'll have 54 new members coming into the house and, and just setting the tone for that unity among women and women. I mean, women make most of the healthcare decisions. We know we're going to be hearing a lot about healthcare during the session. It's the Women's Legislative Caucus is the reason why mammograms are mandated to be covered by insurance in Georgia because there was debate, believe it or not, several years ago, there was debate about that. And the women of the Women's Legislative Caucus, when these votes were about to happen, when the House and the Senate were about to happen, and a lot of men were, had, you know, were making all these, making a case for why insurance companies didn't necessarily have to cover mammograms, which we know save women's lives every day. The women of the Women's Legislative Caucus, Republican, Democrat, lined, they just stood up and lined the walls of the House chamber and the Senate chamber and basically dared those men to vote no. Yeah, it doesn't surprise, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me. Syra, I bet you're excited to get involved. You're like, try me, I'm new. So with that that story, I mean, that that is so, well, I don't know. In some ways, it's kind of sad that they had to do that. But like, but, but how powerful, right? right? How powerful. So yeah, I mean, we're changing policy, the framing of policy in Georgia. You know, every new woman uh, advances that. And um, it's an exciting time to be here. Well, and I, I actually went, because I worked at the Capitol, um, you know, in the early 2000s. And, you know, you were working there as an intern. And my my view is that the the whole energy at the Capitol is so different than it was in the early 2000s and the 90s and before. And I attribute that to the fact that there are so many more women who serve at the Capitol and who work at, in high positions at the Capitol. I think that having more women in power and more women on staff has really made a difference in the tone of the Capitol. I remember I, I, I interned, I think it was 2004 when I was there, and it was a very white male dominated institution. And, um, you know, it's not to say we don't have a lot of work to do, uh, but the difference between now and then is notable. Are you excited to yield the well? <laughs> yield the well, get in the well, all the things relating to wells. Yep. Do you yield for questions? I do not. It's, oh God, that's <laughs> such a turn on when I see like you ladies doing that. Oh, that's, a, that's the only thing I'm I'm, I'm jealous of. Uh, Syra, congratulations on your great win and you. you representing all the coolest parts of Atlanta, like Edgewood and Piney Grove and Candler Park. Like you're the hipster house representative. Sorry, Terry. I mean, I, hey, I'm not in cop. There's no chance of that. And I'm like totally middle-aged. So, <laughs> uh, so DeKalb County, look out for Syra. Thanks so, so much for giving us the time today. And we were really, we'll have our eye on you. We look forward to big things from you. Thank you for having me on. This has been fantastic. Cyro was great. I learned a lot. In committee assignments, you don't get to choose. No, no, you could, you put in your request. Oh, so yeah, what committee you, you do you know, What do you think you're going to be on? I, well, I don't know. I hope that I am still on appropriations. I hope that I remain on transportation. I hope that I remain on the Creative Arts and Entertainment Committee. I actually served the past two years as secretary of the Creative Arts and Entertainment Committee. And that's a wonderful committee uh, because that is a, an area that is, as you know, is growing 
nonstop. Tremendously. Tremendously. And, yeah. and employees, you know, like people say, well, well you know, a lot of the people who benefit the most from the tax, they, you know, the tax credit, they live in California. It's like, well, no, we have tens of thousands of Georgia workers and Georgia businesses that benefit from the film industry here in Georgia. Like, yeah, does the person who's doing, you know, doing makeup benefit from the credit? Like, not directly, but do they have the jobs they have? Are they able to be, like, have a robust career doing Hollywood, like, professional film makeup in Atlanta because of this? Yeah, they do. Well, don't talk to JC Bradbury about that. Oh, I, I know. And I, I met JC, if you're listening, and I love he, him. I think he's a blast. But I, I think that... He's been a guest on the podcast yeah, and before. Yeah, and, you know, he's got his role as an economist. And I have thought a lot about this. And I think uh-huh. that, you know, I think that if you're looking at the numbers he's looking at, then yeah, you're going to reach those conclusions. But there are so many things about this tax credit that are very difficult to quantify. And right. that's and that's that ripple effect. It's that halo effect. And I definitely believe and, and have seen evidence that it's very real. And I, I think, you know, if you're looking at the Chamber of Commerce's rundown, you're going to get one number. If you're looking at JC's rundown, you get one number. And the reality is probably somewhere in the middle of that, but I think that it's profound. Oh, listen, I, I think, agree. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm in agreement with you just from what I've seen with the restaurant business. Yes. Where they get restaurant buyouts, where they, you know, sometimes they they can close for two, three days because they're doing a shoot there. Anyway, well, good luck on those on that for the upcoming session. Another thing, you've talked a lot about this, Terry, um, about the AJC's best dressed legislator. Yes. Uh, So every year they do that. Maya does this. This is Maya. Maya Prabhu from the AJC. And, and And this is really an interesting thing where it's like, Again, we're talking about Georgia, we're talking about unity, we're talking about style, we're talking about how like you you think like Georgia, like this purple state is like a little bit more progressive than you think. I wanted to bring up what's going on in Missouri. Oh, yes. So in Missouri, or that's what they call Missouri, Missouri. Missouri, I guess. I don't know. So I'm sure someone will text us. They are doing, they have now passed they want dress code. They have a dr- stricter dress codes just for women. And this was imposed by Republican women. State Representative Ann Kelly, she was a co-sponsor to require women to wear a blazer when, in, in, when they were in the chamber. And of course, Democrats weren't having it. Uh, take a listen to this. Because there's going to be times on this floor where there are things that should not require debate and comment. I contend that these are one of these things. There are times to have your name said, to be recognized, to be called upon. This is not one of those things. There are some very serious things that are in this rule package that I think we should be debating. But instead, we are fighting, again, for women's right to choose something, and this time is whether she, how she covers herself and the interpretation of someone who has no background in fashion, because again, it is an, and this isn't a shot, it's inappropriate to wear sequins before five o'clock telling me that I can't wear a crispy good St. John sweater if it has too many buttons. I spend $1,200 on a suit and I can't wear it in the people's house because someone who doesn't have the range tells me that it's inappropriate. That's not why any of us were elected, Mr. Speaker. None of us. I urge us to vote no on this because it's ridiculous. And also, congratulations, I'll keep that to myself, to any of us who may be with child, 
Um, you surely don't have enough or have the money off the salary that we make to go buy a bunch of, of new clothes or tailored clothes. And I hope that you're able to continue to wear your cardigan um, and vote on behalf of the people who sent you here. I mean, it's so unbelievable. It's that that. Yeah, I mean, and then they passed it. Uh, so here is the woman who came up with it. So there's more pushback from Democrats. And by the way, we that was. Uh, State Representative Prouty uh, from Missouri. Here comes Mike Kane, my husband, with some lattes for us. Our intern, the voter, <laughs> voter yeah, podcast intern. intern. Okay. Yes. So the, this, is, this is State Representative Ashley Oon, um, and she was questioning Ann Kelly, the Republican, who came up with this. You know what it to have a bunch of men in this room looking at your top trying to decide whether it's appropriate or not? Are we going to have um, Dana be checking our our um, tags for whether it's a, a knit blend or a polyester blend or does silk count? I mean, this is this is ridiculous. Lady, you're right. It is ridiculous. It is absolutely so why are you doing it? that we even have to talk about it on the House floor. I agree. In so why did you bring it up? Chamber. Why should we talk about something like this? It is absolutely ridiculous. You you think, brought this you to the think, floor, lady. You, you tell think, me. You would think that all you would have to do is say, dress professionally, and women could handle it. You would think elected would officials think. could handle that. You would think. But you know, we're, we're walking around men, here in sequins and velveteen, men, to the lady's point. So what is appropriate, and why do you get to decide? We need to get over the sequence. That's ridiculous. What's, uh, What's wrong with, okay, first of all, I am thanking my lucky stars that in Georgia, two elected officials are not allowed to have a mic at the same time. I'm assuming they keep calling each other lady because that must be like, like lady, and that must be how they are referring to each other on the floor, like lady and gentleman. Oh, that's, that's, what, that's my, okay, yeah, okay. My, my, it's my assumption. You know, so it's not like, hey, lady. Right, because I was like, <laughs> It's so weird, like you, hey, lady. No, I think I think that they would. I think they, if they are speaking to each other in this, because clearly they have like debates on the floor like that, and when they're speaking to each other, they have to refer to each other as lady, and I would assume gentlemen. I mean, but, but that but was awful. That's all. And first of all, yeah, St. John suits are like the most tasteful thing any woman could wear. Second of all, blazers are fine sometimes. It's like, like I like to wear a dress. Well, and also like I'm looking at you now, you're wearing a s sleeveless. Um, I'm wearing a, it's like, like a cap sleeve jumpsuit. And, and I wore, I did wear a blazer. I wore like a Tweety kind of J. Crew blazer with it today. But still it like, cute. why, this is, seems to be so outrageous. So I feel like, yeah. and it's, uh, I, you know, I don't know how I danced around this, but I feel like this is, t this is definitely targeted at some people. It, it seems like this is definitely targeted people. And I wonder if there is maybe a cultural element to what they might be targeting or who they might be targeting. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, sequins are lovely. And it's so bizarre. It's, it's weird and specific. It's weird and specific. It's so bizarre to me that there would be so much time spent on this and this would be introduced by women. 
I don't get it, Republican ladies of Missouri. I do not understand why this matters. It's just dress codes in general, I think, are sexist and, you know, like dress codes in schools. They tend to skew very heavily. Well, and of course, it's just like, well, you know, you don't want to tempt the boys. Well, how about you teach your boys to control themselves? Exactly. Teach your sons, like I have and I know you have too, like to not be... Teach them to be decent. Like, don't be a creep. This isn't hard. Okay, so anyway, thank God. That's weird. That's not Atlanta, so we're thankful for that. Um, All right, and then what else are we talking about? What do we we have left? Well, I have a present for you. Oh, I can't wait. Gotta reach it. As as we're drinking um, our nice lattes. Our nice lattes. Okay, (laughs) Okay, hold out your hand and close your eyes, and Terry will give you a big surprise. Okay, I'm closing my eyes. All right. Oh, my gosh, a classic Coke. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But wait, there's more. Oh my God. I love it. It is a brand camp. It's a brand shrimp. Uh, governor. Inaugural. Inaugural. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Brand shrimp. <laughs> Sarah's cringing. It is, it is. It is a commemorative Coca-Cola bottle. Oh my God. Yes. I love it. I actually really love it. I knew you would. How long will it last? Like, I mean, it's in the glass bottle. So, I mean, gosh, look at all the people who have their Herschel Walker Coke bottles from like 19, <laughs> 1980 or whatever that was. I love it. I'm going to keep that right on my desk. I think that's so funny. It's, well, it'll last long, longer than the lettuce for Kevin McCarthy that people- Oh, my God. <laughs> the, I'm so glad there's a lettuce for Kevin McCarthy, the most impotent speaker in the United States. I, um, I, I love that you thought to bring me the Brian Camp uh, Coca-Cola. I'm so into it. Oh, we saw it. They, it, was, it, was, they were, it was a souvenir of state dinner. And I took us like, I'm bringing Merrick Coke. <laughs> I will cherish it. Cherish it I will cherish it deeply. Wow. Uh, this is a year ago. This podcast was a lot di- more, uh, a whole different conversation. And now you've got Governor Kemp going to Davos, Switzerland. Going to Davos. I am so, first of all, good on him. If you're invited to Davos, I feel like you go to Davos. And so he's going to be, he's going to be speaking on Tuesday the 17th. So that's the day after, the, yeah, January the 17th, which is a Tuesday, uh, 6 p.m. Davos time. And our which is about wait, noon. Demarty and the girls, MATG, do they get to go? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, so I would, I would if I could. Um, but he's going to be speaking. Uh, he's in a, it's a, a, the session is called America Unbound with the un in parentheses. And it's the, t- the, Summary is, what can we expect from a reshaped legislative landscape in the United States as it relates to domestic and foreign policy? And I think it's going to be fascinating. The other speakers, along with Governor Kemp, are Senator Joe Manchin, Senator Kirsten Sinema, uh, Senator Chris Coons. You know, Manchin, of course, is a Democrat. Coons is a Democrat. Sinema is independent. J.B. Pritzker, the governor of Illinois. There is Democrat. a Repo- Democrat. There is Maria Elvira Salazar, Congresswoman from Florida. She is a Republican. Um, there it's, and there's going to be Mickey Sherrill, who's a congressman. She's a Democrat from New Jersey. It's just going to be fascinating. And I think that it's a brilliant move on his part to go. I think kudos to him and kudos to his staff for going, because again, this is, you know, Al Gore is going to be there. You got Greta Thunberg. You have, I think that, you know, again, going with that tone of unity, you don't go to Davos to talk about trans kids playing sports. 
Right, because number one, it's an irrelevant issue uh, for to, to rail against. It's a it's right. a relevant issue for those families who are having so much hatred right t- put towards their kids. Um, I just want to point out that if this was a year ago and he was attending this conference, like like I don't know, this feels feels like a pretty woke, pretty lefty Mick. Like and they're talking about climate. They're going to be talking about all. I mean, it's Davos. <laughs> yes. It's Davos, and I am certain. I am. I I know in my bones that there have got to be some hardcore Republicans in Georgia who are losing their minds. You think so? I'm sure there are, but you know what? Let him. You know, this is, I, I am, you know, four years ago, Governor Kemp was elected. It was his first term. It was a close election with Stacey Abrams. He was coming in hot. And like that first term is when, he, you know, when, when the heartbeat bill was introduced, when, you know, things that we didn't necessarily expect in the first year of a first term came to pass. And now we have got second term Governor Kemp, who is being talked about in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and everywhere else for, you know, what's going to be next for him nationally. So I think going to Davos is, is, I mean, that is the international stage. Well, I still think he gets a free pass with the heartbeat bill. And I, I kind of can't forgive him for that. I, although I am excited. I'm very excited about my Coke bottle. Um, yes. And remember his initial abortion bill was just a trigger bill. I it know. Was, yeah. No, I, I know. I don't like it. I know. I don't like oh, it. Oh, I don't like it either. You know, it's like freedom, 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 except specific freedom. But, you know, it's like in a world of terrible, maybe he's not, you know, he's, listen, I don't want to say anything bad because I think we've had such great positive vibes. Yes. You going in and I have my Coke bottle. Um, if it were autographed by Kelly Leffler, I think it really would have lost it. But uh, a girl can dream, Terry. Girl can dream. <laughs> A girl, we've got a lot of podcasting left to go. Okay. Thanks, uh, Christina Larringer, for producing. Thank you for listening. Please rate us and review us. We haven't had a review in over a year. Can you guys. Some, can somebody please write a new review on the Apple podcast or wherever you listen Even to Even if podcasts. it's one of my sisters. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week.